0: Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Well, way back in uh, my first year of Bible college, I had graduated the University of Missouri and gotten married to the same wife I have today. And uh, a year later, we headed off to Springfield, Missouri to go to Bible College so I could study for the ministry. And she she went to school some, too, along the way there. Um, I had to figure out a way to make a living. And there was this place that was hiring. So I took the job. Selling direct sales, pots, and pans. Now, doesn't that sound exciting? (laughs) <laughs> Along with that, we also sold china and crystal and silverware and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but the pots and pans are the main thing. Now, it was my job to make it sound more exciting. It was actually a great product. Um, I could still probably get you a set. No. Uh, it was called Lustercraft, product of West Bend, five ply stainless steel cookware, waterless, greaseless. Man, you cook healthy, and if you get a set of this. You'll probably never need another set your whole life. And that's about true. You know, we had a set and we finally figured out how we just got to get rid of it. I mean, not because it wasn't still good. But uh, anyway, so I used to get appointments and I'd sit down with, most of the time is with a, a, a young lady who had graduated from high school and was working, and her mother. Usually the two together, we would sit down and talk, and I would begin talking about this cookware, and, and you know how great it was, and you know, how it replaced, how strong, and how much is gonna last, and how you can cook, all that kind of stuff. And it didn't take very long. In fact, often, one of the nice things about where I was selling this stuff is oftentimes mom had already bought a set 20 years earlier. Now that's, that helped. <laughs> but the point is, I was, I was talking, and you start showing them the product, and, and they start to get interest in the product. And there's this tipping point, and sometimes you can kind of see it, where they, they move from maybe kind of skepticism or uncertainty to, wow, that seems good. And then they, wow, that, that does, you know, this, this, I'm interested in this. And at this point, there's one question in their mind. What is it? How much? How much? That's exactly right. Okay. And you sit there, and then, have you ever been in the situations where you've reached this point, but the salesman just keeps talking? know you're thinking is how much? How much, right? And you're waiting to hear that. okay? How much? Well, sometimes it can be the same thing when you're talking sermons on giving. right? The preacher keeps preaching and, and you're kind of catching in, and then you start thinking, well, wait a minute, how much? What are you talking about here? And I, we've had two sermons in this series already. We're in this series, Macedonian Principles, about grace-powered generosity. And um, two sermons, and and you still haven't heard how much, have you? So you might be saying, how much? Okay, tell me. So, all right, so we're going to do that today. In fact, um, God gives us a perfect answer. That shouldn't surprise us, right? But God gives us the perfect answer in the passage we're going to look at today. Okay, And that answer is one of two things we're going to focus on. So the sermon series, the Macedonian Principles, uh, let's just do a quick review where we've come from so it'll help us to understand more where we're going. Uh, Let's talk about what do we mean by generous? We want to become generous people, like Jesus was generous. Generous means ready and willing to give freely more than is required, money, time, heart, energy, resource, et cetera. But so the idea of readiness, willingness, and freely, that's crucial to this, and more than is. Required. Okay? So, this is what we're talking about when we're talking about generosity. Okay? And this idea of of being a generous person and giving, Paul described it, remember he described it as a grace of God that we need in our lives, just like numerous other things. Becoming a generous giver is, is, is just as much part of the Christian life as becoming a Bible reader, as becoming somebody who prays, as becoming someone who Who worships God, somebody who serves God, somebody who is a generous giver. It's just, it's on the same plane, okay? It's not like some optional thing off to the side. We need to become generous people. And as we can see here, it's not just about our money, is it? It's not just about our money. You can be generous with your time, you can be generous with your your heart, your energy, your resources, uh, whatever. Being generous uh, with these kinds of things. In the passage of scripture we're focusing on, getting this from, Uh, Paul is focusing in on giving, all right? And so that's one of the reasons we're focusing on it. So we've seen two principles so far, and the first one is this, the principle of the first gift, and that's that you need to give yourself first, give yourself away first to God. That's before all else. Otherwise, if you don't give yourself to God, it doesn't matter what you do with your money, you're doing your own thing, aren't you? See that? So we got to start with, no, I'm surrendering myself to God. I give myself to God first. And then Paul says, and then everything else comes after that. The second principle, which we looked at last week, is the principle of the first blessing. And that is that you are always the first person to benefit from your generosity. You know, the process you go through of, of arriving about, you know, how do, what am I going to share? How much am I going to give? God, what do you want me to do? And it, it's going to change you. It's going to shape you to be more like Christ, to think more biblically, be more dependent on the Lord. All these good things that are happening when you actually give, that just really solidifies those kinds of things. But this is before anybody's ever received the gift. You see that? So you benefit. No matter what happens to the gift after you've given it, you benefit from having given it. So, Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. The last two weeks we were in 2 Corinthians 8. We've graduated to chapter 9. We're going to read the first seven verses of chapter 9. Now it says, Now concerning the ministering to the saints, and... Uh, just let me set this, the context again here. Paul is talking about a special offering that's being taken up by Christians around the world to send to the Christians back in Israel who were, uh, had had famines and were being persecuted and they were in need of assistance. So that's what he's talking about. He says the ministering to the saints, he's talking about helping them with this offering. Now concerning the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you. For I know your willingness about which I boast of you to the Macedonians, that Achaia was ready a year ago and your zeal has in, has stirred up the majority. Yet I have sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this respect, that as I said, you may be ready, lest if some Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to mention you, should be ashamed of this confident boasting. So let me just stop. That What had happened is that the people in Corinth who heard about this need got all excited about it and they wanted to give to it. They were zealous about it. And so they were saying, yeah, we're going to give. We're going to, you know, really give the most that we can. So they were talking about it that way. And so then Paul had communicated this to the poor churches in Macedonia and their testimony, the Corinthians' testimony had stirred up the Macedonians. And you remember when Paul talked about how the Macedonians responded? They gave themselves to God first. And then they gave more generously than he ever could have imagined. He was surprised, pleasantly so, by their generosity. By the way, so let's remember this. Let me just toss this in here. They were poor Christians. They were generous Christians. Remember, poverty doesn't prevent generosity. Okay? We saw that last week, too. It's it's not about what you have, not about how much you don't have. Okay, So um, we can become generous people. Anyway, so that's what this is about. He's saying, so we told them about you, and now they may be coming with us when we collect this offering. Be ready. Don't make that boasting empty. right? I talked about how well you had responded. I don't want to get here, and you guys not be ready. And it's like, oh, man, this isn't good. Verse 5. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised, that it may be ready. And Here's important, we're going to talk about this later, as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Father, we thank you for your word and that in it you have provided us all the, the, the knowledge that we need to know how to live lives that are pleasing to you, lives that show you to the world around us. I pray as we Consider what you have said here in this passage today through the Apostle Paul, that we would open our hearts to you, our minds would be ready to hear, and we would be ready to say yes to you in whatever you would speak to us today. I pray it in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so there are two directions that this goes in here, okay, this passage of Scripture. Uh, one is the how much part, and the other is how to part. Okay? Both of those are here in our passage today. But we want to remind ourselves, something from verse 2. For I know your willingness, that your zeal, he talks about, has stirred up the majority. The, the Corinthians wanted to give Generously. Okay? And so that's a point we have, we've, we've seen in each of the passages of Scripture we've looked at so far, and that's that generous Christians want to give generously. Can you be a Christian and not be generous? Can you? Should you? No, we shouldn't, right? We should become generous people because that's about, we grow to be like the Lord, and, and he, what? remember he left heaven, the riches of heaven to become poor, that we who are poor spiritually might become rich in him. So uh, generous Christians want To give generously. And so uh, as we look at this passage, verse number two, that's what we see. But let's go to verse number five. Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to ahead of time prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised. And then this is key, that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging. And what's the next word? Obligation. Obligation. All right, so I want to put this out to you today and have you you chew on it a little bit, okay? The Bible rules out rules as the way to live and give generously. It rules out rules. In other words, if we're going to be generous people giving generously, it is not going to be about following rules. When we looked at the definition of generous, what was it again? Giving willingly, freely. It's not about what's required because we're going to give more than might be required. If there is even a requirement, that idea of generosity. Because in one sense, we might say you don't have to give anything. So anything you give is more than required, right? So you're starting that way. Now, let's look at verse number six. I'm going to start focusing in here on how much We're supposed to give. Verse 6, he says, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Now, this question, excuse me, that, that statement we usually think of as give and you will be blessed, right? Sow and you will receive. Sow a little. Receive a little. Sow a lot, receive a lot. And that's the principle there, that's the truth there. But I don't think that Paul here is trying to tell the Corinthians, you need to give more so you can get a lot more. Now, that is the motivation that you sometimes get appealed to, don't you, by Christian organizations or, or people on television. I'm not trying to pick on them, but right? You need to give more so you can get more. Now, God oftentimes does bless us and work in our lives. But God never promises to make us rich with money. He just doesn't. The Apostle Paul says, I've learned to be content, whether I have a lot or I have a little. So say we're to be content people. So what is this principle about? Why is Paul telling them this? And here's, Here's my thought on it. He's talking about, if you give more, there will be many more benefits. Much will, will be accomplished. If you give a little, a little can be accomplished. If you give a lot, a lot can be accomplished. That makes sense. He's challenging to generosity, not to covetousness or not to greed. And so, here's how much should you be giving? Well, here, question. Answer this question: How much do you want to accomplish for God's kingdom? Give accordingly. And, and so where does this go back to? Our minds? Our minds are part of it, but no, where does this go back to? To where? It's not a trick question. To the heart. That's right, to the heart. So how much do you want to accomplish for God's kingdom? Give accordingly. Uh, I don't know about you, the, the longer I'm saved, the more I want to accomplish. Um, you start thinking, what's... This, is, like, this isn't just about money. It's about what I do with my time. Glenda and I are talking about that again. What are we doing with our time? Are we using our time generously for the kingdom of God? Because we want to make a difference. We want you know, to accomplish something for the Lord that would honor Him and meet needs of people. Okay? But certainly it applies in the area of money as well. Um, anybody here like to buy groceries? Anybody? I'm not talking about going shopping do do you want to go shopping? How many of you like to have groceries in the house, right? Okay, now we agree on that. Last time I checked, could you go to the grocery store and just pick up what you want and take it home without paying for it? No, you can't, right? <laughs> Typically, the idea is money is pretty much involved in everything that goes on. Anything you want to accomplish, there's almost always some money involved. Okay, And so, same in the kingdom of God. Money is a tool that provides us ways to do things. And so um, how much do you want to accomplish in the kingdom of God? Then give that much. Give accordingly. Do You want to see a lot accomplished? Give a lot. Okay? All right. That brings us to verse number seven here, which is really essential. A, a this is where God, I think, finishes the answer for us. And he says, so, after all this that he's talked about, right, your willingness, your zeal, we need to do it. We need to follow through on it. Uh, if, you know, you give a lot, you can make a big difference. Verse seven. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. So this not grudgingly or of necessity, that goes back again. Not, this is, are you following some rules when you're giving like this? No, it's not about following. Necessity, I have to do this. Why? The rules say I got to do it. <laughs> Before I go on, let me just say, share with you. Sometimes, if, if, as a, when Christians have learned to give according to rules, I have rules I have to follow for my giving. When you have that mindset, you begin to approach your giving the same way you approach your income taxes. What is your strategy on your income taxes? How much do you want to pay? As little as possible. You're going to follow the rules. How, oh, you sent the IRS this much money, extra money, or whatever, right? why'd you do that? I had to. It was a necessity. And yes, I'm giving it grudgingly. <laughs> I've, I've never heard anybody yet say, you know what, here's my bill, but I, I'm going to send an extra couple thousand. You know, I want to be generous, and I'm sure they'll use it well. And, right? We don't do that. And so when we're doing our giving according to rules, it's so easy to end up like, how much am I supposed to give? Right? Okay. So if I, we'll talk about this in a minute, but if I want to give 10% of that, okay, that's that's, uh, that's (laughs) $82.37. We've missed the point, haven't we? God didn't say to give that way. He says, give as you have purpose in your heart, the way you want to. Give freely. Give generously. From the heart. So here's the second question. What is your heart telling you about how much you should give? Give that amount. Give that much. Some of you are looking really worried. My heart, I can think of a lot to give. Okay. But we're going to work on that a little bit, all right? So let's remind ourselves before we go on here that this principle, the third principle is this, the principle of the heart. The principle of the heart is that generosity is not about following rules. It's about following your heart. It's about following your heart. And you might say, well, wait a minute, but, 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 but anybody doing that inside? You don't have to raise your hand. Let's talk about this. Two problems that I think people have in this. And here we are in verse 6 saying, let each one give as he purposes in his heart. Be a cheerful giver. I'm glad. I'm being generous. I'm finding joy in this. God loves it when I give this way. I'm giving freely from my heart. So two questions that arise, I think. And the first one is this. Well, what about everything else that God teaches about giving in the Bible? Does he teach anything else about giving in the Bible besides verse 7? Those you who've been around for a while, does he? A lot. There's a lots of things in the Bible about that. So how does that work? Well, let's remind ourselves. All of those things that are in the Bible about giving, related to giving, we already saw, didn't we, that God has ruled out rules? The Bible rules out rules is the way to live and give generously. Let that soak in. By the way, it took me a lot of years to get to this. The Bible rules out rules. And that's why this principle number three is there. If, we have, if you approach it as rules, it's going to rob you of being generous. It's going to, we're going to say we're going to take the wrong approach to that. Um, so how does it fit now I do have an answer for you I I know I'm up here asking sometimes you guys think he doesn't know the answer (laughs) I don't know all the answers but I do know this answer Um, but let this this principle soak in again right it's not about following rules it's about following your heart very very important now so it just can't be about the rules. What about all this stuff? Well, it's all good. How much of God's word is true? How much of it is profitable to us for following? How much? All of it. It's all, okay? But if we approach it as rules we got to follow, we've missed the point. And we've robbed ourselves of what the great joy and blessing that God has for us. So the answer to the first question is, yeah, God has taught us a lot. All that stuff we need to follow. We're going to talk about that. But it's not about keeping rules. Okay, we got to get to the heart. Second question is this. Okay, Walt, you're telling me I'm supposed to follow my heart? Well, what about Jeremiah? Chapter 17 and verse 9, when he says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? My heart could deceive me. My heart could fool me. My heart, okay, and I would say to you that this is obviously it's true. It's in God's word, but who is He talking about? He's talking about hearts that are not surrendered to God. He's talking about hearts that are in rebellion against God. Hearts that are about you know trying to. Rationalize why I'm not doing what God says I'm supposed to doing, trying to justify myself. And, and so that heart is wicked. But here what happens when we come to Christ. Not only we're we forgiven, right? Remember, Jesus came to earth, died to pay the penalty for our sins, and rose again from the dead. And so not only does he provide us for forgiveness of sins, give us eternal life, but he moves in. Right? The moment we say, Oh God, I need a Savior. I need, I believe in Jesus. He moves in. Who moves in? The Lord moves in. God moves in. And you are born again. You become a new creation. Deep down inside of you, and I don't mean down here, I mean someplace deep inside of us, we are forever changed. We become a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. And what God has done, in fact, we could say He's given you a new heart. All right, so Jeremiah's not talking about it. he's talking about people who aren't in rebellion. Can a Christian live in rebellion to God? Yeah, when we when we push back on God and we don't want to go his ways and we're gonna we're living for ourselves, yeah. So then that could probably apply to us and again in a sense too, because we're deceiving ourselves, we're fooling ourselves. What I want you to tell you is that if you have a heart, if you have surrendered your heart to the Lord, first, when you got saved, you received Christ as Savior. And then from there on, you keep working at it. And every time you, you discover something new or different about, you know, oh, and you surrender to the Lord. See, that's the first one on our list, right? We surrender to the Lord. That's about your heart. And so we continue to surrender our hearts to the Lord. And our, our hearts. Uh, Well, let me tell you, let me explain it this way. What do you think God could do if you have a heart that's surrendered to Him? Well, here's here's the thought, and I think this this is consistent with biblical truth. We're going to see this. That when we are surrendered to the Lord, He can easily lead us through our desires. Here we go, our desires again. Well, let me tell you, Do you know how someone knows that that God wants them to go in the ministry? Like me? Do you know how, one of the ways that we know that? The Bible says, if any man desires to have that role. Where's that coming from? A heart that is surrendered to God. A heart that's yielded to God. And so God can stir those desires to be what He wants. To lead us along. Consider this, Psalm 37. It says, trust in the Lord and do good. Feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Now, this is sort of like when we talked about the sowing and reaping principle and thinking of it one way, but instead we should think of it another. I really think that this verse, uh, we should probably think differently than we normally do. Now, what we typically think is if, you know, if, if I trust him, I, I, I live right, I, I trust in his faithfulness, I'm delighting in him, that then God will give me what I want, what my deepest desires are. Well, you know, he may do that. But I want to suggest a different way of looking at this, that when I trust in God, and I, I try to do what he says. I'm doing good, I'm trying to live the way that he says to live. I'm feeding on his faithfulness, so that I'm relying, I'm nourishing myself with following him and him his faithfulness, and I'm delighting myself in him. I want to get to know him, I'm trying to do this, that God can put his desires in my heart. Now did that you see the difference? It isn't something that I'm desiring on my own. This is something that when I'm yielded to God, when I am surrendered to Him, when I'm wanting what He wants, God, here's my heart. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I give you complete control. That God can actually place desires in my heart. He's the one who puts a desire in my heart to be generous. He's the one who puts a desire in my heart to help someone who needs help. He's the one who puts it... Do you see that? And so we don't have to be afraid of the desires of our heart if we are surrendered to God. If we're genuinely yielding Him, saying, oh God, I want to be what you want me to be. I want to do what you want me to do. I want to do it the way you want me to do. I want to be more like your son Jesus. I want all these things. Then God can work in our hearts, and then the desires we have as a result of that, we can trust are from God. And if if we mess up, You messed up because you were trying to be generous? Do you think God will go, hey, boy, you messed up. You were too generous. I don't think so. Now, He might lead us and give us some more wisdom. Fine. But we can trust in the Lord and do good. Now, consider even the New Testament. It says this in Philippians 2. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. This mind, and we think it goes on, talks about how he humbled himself before God. He surrendered to God even to the point of death for us, uh, gave up his reputation, became like us, who were sinful, all that. Let this mind be in you. And it tends to think this way, but let me tell you, when we when we go back in and look at this word, this translated mind here, it's not really just about intellect. The Greek word that's translated mind is not just about intellect. It includes the idea of your affections. In fact, it's interesting because in Colossians chapter 1, the King James Version translated this word, set your affections on things above. And that's this word. Set your mind on things above. But what's more than your mind is your affections. When you're just sitting around, relaxing, enjoying, and you're thinking about things you like, things that make you feel good, Things that bring your your uh, uh, I, there was a word there and it went. Anybody else ever happened to? There was a word there and it went somewhere. But the idea is this is good. And you're thinking on these things. There's an affection towards those things, isn't there? It's not just intellect here. There's a heart component. So I would call this your heart mind, your mind heart. And so. What kind of a mind heart did Jesus have? Was it generous? Was it about meeting the needs of others? Was about his father's plan, the mission, all that? That's what his, his mind heart was. And that's what's supposed to be in us. And by the way, that's where we realize how needy we are, right? God, if I don't pay attention, my mind heart may go somewhere else. I don't want to. Keep reminding me. Keep drawing me back. Keep pulling me. So this idea of giving from your heart, you don't have to worry, oh, my heart's going to mess everything up. Not if you surrender it to God. Not if you surrender it to God. So let's review. How much are we supposed to give? How much do you want to accomplish for God's kingdom? Give accordingly. What is your heart telling you about how much you should give? Give that amount. Now here's the third thing, and this is the other aspect of this passage we looked at today and have been looking at so far. Do you want your intentions to give generously to become a reality? Make a plan and follow it. That's what we see here. Because what does Paul say to them? You know, up in in verse 2, he says, Hey, you were willing. You were willing early on. You said you wanted to do it. Your zeal inspired others to give it You wanted to give. I don't think you've done it yet. You know what? And we go back in, in the chapter 8 and then all of chapter 8 and the beginning of chapter 9. What is Paul doing? He's helping them to make a plan to give. Okay, we're going to send people. We want you to, to give. We want you to make plans. We want you to set the money aside. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 16, he says every, day, every time on the first day of the week, set aside so they don't have to gather all up when we come uh, So make a plan. This is, you may say, okay, well, you just did it. You're slipping the rules in under the, no, we're not talking, a plan's different than rules, isn't it? You can change a plan, can't you? You can change the plan on the spur of the moment if you need to. You can't change the rules that way. So we're not talking about, we're talking about making a plan to give generous. I mean, don't you plan what's important in your life? If you have an appo- a, a very important appointment, what do you do to remember it? Yeah, you write it down somewhere, don't you? I, I do. I put it on the computer and I tell it to, Would you give me an alarm two weeks before, give me an alarm one week before, four days before, one day before, one hour before. What's important, we plan for it. If it's important for money, you plan for it. I mean... So planning is is not about rules. It's about saying, I want to accomplish this. We plan what's important. Did God make a plan to redeem us? Yeah, he did. See, that was important to him. So what I want to talk to you today about is the idea of making a plan. And I'm going to give you a plan. I think it's biblically based. I think it's biblically sound. But this isn't Bible. Okay, so let me say that real quick. This isn't Bible but it would be a really good tool for you to take and look at in your life and say, we want to be generous people. I want to be a generous person. I need a plan if I'm going to really be able to be as generous as I can. Take a look at this plan, which I'll go over here in just a minute, and you may adjust it. You may change it. You may come with your own. Praise the Lord. Make a plan. You want to give generously? Make a plan and follow it. Okay? So let's take a look at this. Uh, by the way, these three main areas that we're going to look at uh, are areas that Dave Ramsey says. You know, he says, give to the Lord, save for the future, and then budget for the rest of your life to live. All right, so let's, let's look at this first. Uh, the first one is this, under giving to the Lord. Give generously to the Lord and his work through the church, a fixed percentage plus. Now, what am I talking about here? Well, we're talking about what people often call a tithe, uh, which is tithe flows out of the first 10%. Um, hope there's a rule. No, no, no. That's an example of a principle. Okay, Offerings, missions, giving to missions, giving to deacons. In other words, do you want to decide up front you, between you and God in your heart? What am I going to give to this? And the idea is, I say fixed percentage because in the Old Testament, before the law ever came into being, we see Abraham and Jacob talking about giving a tithe, giving a ten percent. Okay, that's where that comes from. We get into uh, Proverbs and it talks about giving the first fruits off the top. Okay, Uh, we get into like 1 Corinthians 16. It says, you know, first day of the week, let everyone give as God has prospered. In other words, if you have received a little, you give a little. If you've received a lot, you give a lot. If you've received none, you give none. But see how that's that's, that's like a percentage. That's how that works. Okay? So you want to set that up. You and God, I want to give generously. Now, in my life, in many Christians' lives, we've found that 10%, we just follow that example, follow that principle, and start there. And I've never starved to death. Okay? Okay? All right, God is always taking care of us. Uh, but anyway, so that's, that comes first, okay? God, what do you want me to do? And from your heart, you make that determination, and then you give it. And by the way, this is about worshiping God. This, this giving up front like this is about worshiping God. It's not about you just trying to figure out who and what you want to give to. This is about God, I'm giving this to you. Do you understand that when you give back to God like this first, you know, between you and him, you set a percentage, and then every week you give it, or every time you get paid, you give it. What are you acknowledging every time? God, you are God, I am not. You are my Lord. You are the provider of all that I have. You are the one that I'm trusting to meet my needs. It's such a powerful thing in your life. This, this changed my life when I learned to give this way. It's not about a rule here. Between you, we've already seen it. How much are you supposed to give? How much? What's in your heart? We're putting a plan together. All right, so you arrive at a plan. Okay, so then we want to save for the future. Save a fixed percentage for the future. Uh, this verses you can look them up, talks about that. Um, I didn't always do this for a long time, and I should have. I and mean, there were times in my life where we're going to see, we're going to get to the next two points, and I barely made it to them, much less had any extra money. I know what that's like. But even so, what I should have done is taken a dollar, something, and just always put it away. It's it's a very, very wise idea to do. And if if you pick up one of these, which I hope you do, there's some other information about that there. So, save for the future. Again, from your heart, you and God figure that out. Now let's budget. Let's talk about budgeting. Okay, so then third thing we do is we pay our necessary living expenses, food, housing, utilities, phone, transportation, whatever it is you actually need. Now, that doesn't mean you need a Corvette to drive. I would like a Corvette to drive, but it doesn't mean you need that. But you need a vehicle, probably. You need a phone. Do you need the $1,000 phone, or might you get by with the three? My point is, we got a budget. Budget wisely. Okay? Jesus talks about seeking first the kingdom of God, that God will provide these things for us as we are surrendered to Him. First Timothy 6, 8. That's where we talk about having food and shelter, let us be content, okay? So we we budget for this, we make a plan for for this. And then the next thing we budget for is to pay our obligations. If you have debt, you gotta pay your taxes, right? Maybe you have education stuff you have to pay, whatever it is. But the idea is these are ongoing obligations that I have. Can I encourage you to get out of debt? Well, of course I can, you can't stop me. I'm encouraging you to get out of debt. The Bible encourages you to get out of debt. What freedom there is when you get out of debt? How much more generous could you be if you had no debt? True? All right. So pay your obligations. Now, at this point, my needs have been met, right? At this point, your needs, the needs of your household have been met. Now, what's the next question? First of all, let me say, that if there's any money left. There may not be any money left. I've been there, like I said. But if there is any money left, let's go to number five here. And number five here is, are there any heart-directed giving to specific things as the Lord leads that you want to do? Because what's our goal? Why are we putting this plan together? Why? It says at the top. Why? (laughs) To enable us to be generous. Okay? And so we've reached this point, there's extra money left. Is there anything else God wants me to give to? Maybe there is, maybe there isn't. Right, and where are you going to make this decision? There's with your heart, mind, all right? Okay, and then uh, after this, saving for short-term, long-term needs and goals. Now, these are things that you don't necessarily have to. But vacations, appliances, repairs, upgrades, whatever you're wanting to save toward, you have money, make plans, save toward it. And if there's any money left, if there's any money left. Do this one. Save any money left over to use freely for whatever you feel like doing with it. Or to give freely, should you and the Lord decide that's what you want to do. Is it okay for me to say, use that money however you want? Have you already been a generous person at this point? Does God have your heart and can He put a desire in it? You see what I'm saying? How, how free is this approach to giving? The issue has come down as my heart surrendered to God, right? So the principle of the heart. Generosity is not about following rules. It's about following your heart. And let me encourage you. Like I said, some of these are up here, and then there's others in the Connection Center. And even if you feel like you're well-established in this, can I encourage you, pick this up, look at it, and think, is there any way I could have a better plan to be generous? Okay, And use this to stir your thinking and your praying. So how much then are you supposed to give? All right. Well, the final decision about the actual amount you're going to give at any point needs to be determined between you and God in your heart. So here's, I think, where we end up. We, say, we end up saying things like this. Well, it's in my heart to give generously. It's in my heart to honor the Lord with my giving and to communicate my dependence on Him. It's in my heart to remind myself with my giving that all I have comes from God. It's in my heart to make an eternal difference with my giving. It's in my heart then to give this amount and then give it. Pretty straightforward and simple, isn't it? It's a matter of the heart. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for your word and that you teach us things like this. Lord, I thank you for the freedom of being able to pursue a relationship with you and yield to you and let you lead us and grow us and that you change our hearts, Lord, to more and more match your heart. And I pray, Lord, that's what we'd focus on as we go from here today. You know, what, what are you stirring our hearts to do? How do you want us to give? How much? And we just seek you on that, and when it becomes clear, Lord, we've already made the decision to do it. I pray, Lord, as always for anyone here today who has never made that decision to receive your son as Savior, that they would either right now say, oh God, that's me, and trust you, or if they have questions, that they would ask us so we can help them. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, go out there this week and and connect with God at a hard level and do what he wants you to do. God bless you.